All right, John, here we are. Immediately. Five Boom. seconds after we got done recording the regular episode, we're That's just heading we right into Semper Reformanda. That's right. So Hot this ready, is baby. this Hot really ready. is like we don't plan this. <laughs> this is just you and I having a conversation. All right, I'm going to lead off if you're cool with this. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, so this was actually a piece. Take a lead, of one Justin. Of the, go ahead and you go first. I'm Received. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm good. So, I'm sorry. I was like, do I want to say something snarky? I could. I do I this know. to my kids. It's it wasn't not. Really anything it's wholesome. not good. I, it's just. It funny. wasn't anything wholesome or like edifying that would have come out of my mouth, and so I was like, well, I'm just gonna refrain. See, there you go. So, That's you battling your flesh. Good sanctification, good right? Praise Jesus for His Praise. holiness in you, because you were not holy. You just proved that. Yeah. Go, go with God and be blessed, John. So, um, <laughs> this was a, a a piece of reflection that I offered in one of the Romans seven sermons. It, I'm not going to say everything again, but I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there. Cause I think it's a good conversation for you and I to have. We've talked about this at some point over the years, I know, mm-hmm. but it's good sometimes to recycle it and have a, an up-to-date combo on this. So what I assume as a preacher, or maybe a better word is presume as a preacher is that the saints of covenant Baptist church, cause that's where I preach mm-hmm. the word of God. Those are the saints that I am called by the Lord uniquely to preach the word to and to watch over and to live with. So they're my main priority, unashamedly. I love all the Theocast listeners out there, but when I'm talking about what I'm about to say, my presumptions about my people are the following. That they love God, that they want to obey him, and that they are grieved at the thought of offending him, and they mightily battle the corruption of the flesh and are often weak and lament that they are. Yeah. Those are my assumptions as a preacher, my presumptions as a preacher. And why does this matter? It's it's hard I think to overstate how this affects a pastor's tone in the pulpit and how it affects to use an old word like the tincture of a man's preaching. And this is not me or you trying to give assessments of our own preaching. All we're talking about here is what's in our minds and hearts as we step to the sacred desk that is the pulpit, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not, let me just go ahead and, and throw this out there and we'll talk about this more in a minute. I think one of the reasons why so much of the preaching in our day and maybe throughout the history of the church sounds threatening and exacting and scary and edgy and aims to unsettle is because the assumption or the presumption of many preachers is that the congregation they're preaching to is full of a lot of fakers, false professors, and what they need to go about doing is smoking those people out. There are a lot of people out there that don't take seriously enough obedience and holiness. They probably just walked an aisle or prayed a prayer or Christianity is comfortable for them for a season. And so they're just kind of doing this thing for now, but they're not really legit. And what I need to do is put pressure on that and unsettle that and preach a lot of law and preach a lot about serious Christianity so that the fakers will be made apparent and they'll just leave. I think that's the posture of many guys. Uh, I trust the motivations are good. Yeah. But for me, in our local church context, where we take membership seriously, we we teach a robust membership class. Our services are <laughs> pretty robust and liturgical on the front end anyway. And so if people are interested in staying, there's something to it, right? Then we teach them in a membership class. We do a membership interview with one or more of the elders sometimes. And there's a whole process to becoming a member in our church. 
And by the time people are members, my assumption is, and my presumptions are what I just articulated. They love the Lord. They want to obey. They're grieved at the thought of disobeying, yet they battle the flesh. They're often weak and they lament their frames. And so that affects how I get into the pulpit and aim to preach the word to them. What do I understand they need week over week over week? They need a steady diet of Christ for them because they've come in bombarded. They've come in grieved at their failures this week or this morning. And brother, what do you got for me? Right? And they need Christ and they need comfort and they need encouragement. Yes, we need the law so that we can be reminded that we couldn't keep it before. And we're not going to keep it well enough now to earn anything before God. We need to see where we failed and where we've fallen short and where I need to grow. Amen to all that. And then we need Christ for pardon from sin and we need Christ for power unto sanctification. And then we got a chance. So that's what I come into the pulpit thinking, John. And that's what motivates me as a preacher. And I'd monologue there for a few minutes and I'm sorry for that, but I think this is an important conversation. Yeah. And this affects how the saints come to understand the Christian life and yep. how they live together and the kind of culture that's established in a church, you know? Yeah. Hold on a second. Sorry. I, um, I got a question a couple of weeks ago about, do you think that reform theology focuses too much on the sinner side of the believer and not as much on the saint side? And, um, you know, they said it seems like we need to focus more on the saint side. And they were even using arguments like that. That's how Paul talks. I said, well, you're not reading all of Paul because Paul uses present tense when he says, I right. am the, the greatest chief of sinner. The chiefest. I am the greatest sinner I know. Very and, much related uh, to Romans 7 content. That's right. And then I obviously went right to Romans 7. So the um, if you stop ignoring the the weakest part of your existence— it will, it'll, it'll, it'll take you down. It will yeah. absolutely take, you're only as strong as they say is the weakest link. We put link, no right? confidence in the flesh, right? That's right. You are linked. Your, your, your spirit and your body are linked and your body is your weakest link. And so you have to understand that. And if you're not feeding the spirit to hold that together, this bond that's happening and hold it at bay, it will overtake you. So yeah. the acknowledgement of weakness is a must is an absolute must in preaching because, you know, I did this last Sunday just as a, um, well, two weeks ago, was it two weeks ago? It was mother's day. Yeah. I, uh, I got up and I, you know, I said something silly, like, you know, ladies, I'm really excited to talk to you about how strong of a woman you need to be. And, you know, <laughs> they all kind of chuckle because they knew that wasn't the case. I'm like, nope, we're talking about Ezekiel. Open up your Bibles because you guys want to hear about Jesus, not, yep. not about, not, not about right. yourselves. And That's then right. last week I stood up and I said, hey, we got a lot of visitors here today. So church, I just want to remind you to make sure you put on a smile and make sure you're happy. And and then everybody's kind of like, I'm like, well, you never talk like that. I said, you're, you're right. That's right. Nope. If you've walked in here and you're weak, you're frail, and you feel all kinds of beat up, like you've been run over by a truck, guess what I have for you? I have the healing power of God's grace to renew your faith again. So to me, here's the deal. I mean, I'm. this is me real time. First time I've had this thought, everybody's hearing it. Boom. You're question or the question that was posed to you, do we concentrate too much on the center part, not enough on the saint part? I'm kind of like, all right, I understand what you're getting at in a way, but then in another way I don't because I I would understand that the prescription and the antidote to what ails us is the same thing regardless of how you look at it. Yep. Because whether I'm thinking about the fact that I'm still a sinner in that 
the corruption of the flesh is with me and I often fail and I'm weak there. Mm-hmm. Or whether I'm thinking about the fact that I'm a saint, that I've been given a new nature and that I have been declared righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ and I've been forgiven of sin and absolved of guilt on account of what he did. And I've received that by faith. That's the center saint reality, right? So regardless of which angle I'm approaching it from, what do I need? Mm-hmm. Well, if, I'm, if, if we're thinking about the center piece, what's the only comfort yeah. in weakness? It's mm-hmm. Jesus for us, all right? If we're thinking about the saint piece, of course, I've already acknowledged we preach the law in various ways. Mm-hmm. That goes without saying. That's a given. But in terms of the power for you to be grown in your inner man, where does it come from? Mm-hmm. The preaching of Christ. That's right. The extolling of the mercy and grace and power and love of Jesus. So I think that the right preaching of law and gospel, the way I'm articulating it, is the answer to, well, if we're thinking about it from the sinner perspective or the saint perspective or just holistically, which is I think what you and I try to do, sinner, yeah. saint perspective, what we need is the right division of law and gospel. And we need the heralding of Christ. And so that's my answer Yeah, is I think you're trying to pull things apart and analyze things and isolate things in a way that frankly aren't reality anyway. Mm-hmm. And my question to you would be, are you thinking then that we need to just preach law exclusively to the saint aspect, to the new nature, and that the law in and of itself has power to transform even and power to grow the new nature. I don't think it does. I think only the power, the power only comes from Christ and the spirit of Christ. That's right. The law guides Christ empowers, right? That distinction is important. Yeah. I've got a, I'm about to go on a road trip. So I'll just use this as an example. Uh, On this road trip, I have directions of where I'm going to go. And then on this road trip, I have what I can and cannot do. I can't drive on certain sides of the roads. I can't go certain speeds. You know, there's certain things mm-hmm. I can't do. But guess what? Uh, those rule, the directions and the laws will not get me to where I'm going. Right. It requires another power that I can't power, which is right. the vehicle, the car. Right. That's exactly how the Christian. Yeah, it's yep. exactly how the Christian life works. The law is there yep. to guide us well, and, and you really know, help us. Yeah, I mean, if you disobey traffic laws, you drive on the wrong side of the road, you run through a stop sign or whatever it may be. I mean, it could be it could be terribly detrimental. That's right. I mean, it could kill you. But the right? power, I mean, so, that's right. The power to get to where I need to be but is Christ. Correct. correct. That's right. So in, in this illustration, Christ is the vehicle. That's right. And the law is effectively the, the law the guide. on the road. Right, That's right. The guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think remembering that just clears up so much confusion and it delivers us from having to try to parse all this out in ways that are just overly analytical and probably unhelpful. Yeah. You know? And this is why it's like, listen, uh, I really do kind of want like there's new laws all the time. You know, there was a new one. What was the, what was the newest one I heard in Tennessee? It was an interesting one. I couldn't remember. I, I didn't know it. And I was really thankful that someone else had broke it before I did. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, I don't want to take it. But, uh, you know, it's it, the the laws, um, most of them, they're helpful, you know, when we're thinking about worldly laws. But all of God's laws are perfect, right? Like we yeah. want to know them. We want yeah. to memorize them. We want to worship the God who gave it to us. Yeah. But, man, they will not. Do they're just, they're stagnant. They're, it's literally, well, the law is like a sign. It's just pro- sitting there. 100%. And the problem this has to be restated because I know we agree on this. The law is holy and just and good, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is the corruption of our flesh. 
The law can only kill us, therefore, and the law cannot change us, therefore, because of the flesh, because of corruption and because of sin. And given that that's the case, we have to have Jesus and the Spirit of Christ ministering in and through for any of the power and the transformation to be present and for that to occur. And yeah, it's not that there's something wrong with the law. It's that the reality of sin has made it this way, and it's the work of God alone to save and to sanctify. But I, I'll even use modern day techno, te- techniques to how we deal with lawbreakers. But uh, the law is set in the United States. You break the law, and then what do they do? They imprison you because you have proven you cannot what obey the law. That's right. a great illustration of the spirit. We need something to liberate us from the imprisonment because the law is proven to us. We can't do it. And thanks yep. be to God, right? Yep. Thanks be to Christ who liberated me from yep. this prison because yep. the law condemned me. I'm in prison. I've proven I can't obey it. And Christ comes in and empowers well, me and amen. says, and now you can. Amen. And even as a believer, I know the law. I delight in the law. I agree with the law that it's good, but I find myself coveting. I find myself lusting. I find myself in anger. You know, I'm not always defending my neighbor. I'm sometimes in that sense, slandering or defaming my neighbor. Like I'm violating God's law left and right. So then I'm asking with Paul, who's going to deliver me from this corruption? That's right. I need to be delivered. I want to be delivered. And it's not just like an unbeliever might fear death or fear the grave or might be smited by their conscience. Yeah. This is not that. This is a heart level agony and sadness and lament over not living in accord with God's holy law. And yeah. only believers know that struggle. And so we cry out for the deliverance there too. So it's the front end where we're crushed. First use of the law, we're crushed by the law and brought to the end of ourselves, driven to Jesus. And then even in the third use, it's just this reminder of like, I'm not condemned. I know that I'm safe, but I'm sad that I don't live the way I want to. Mm -hmm. And what's going to ultimately deliver me from this? Well, it's Christ also. That's right. And I'll be resurrected and I'll be made like him one day. Yep. When he appears, I'll be like him. And that's the hope. And we got to live in light of that backwards. I'm, I'm good here. Can I give an introduction? Give a final comment or introduction to next week. Exactly. Exactly what I want to do. So part of SR, you get to little insights. Guys, if it was just a war between the spirit and the flesh, I'll be honest with you. I don't. I don't know. I probably. I think I'd give up. I give in. It's like this is too hard. Yeah, it's too hard. It's you know, there's got to be something greater than just me outdoing my flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, and that could be very weak and immature of me. And I am a very weak and immature man. I will be the first. I mean, just look at the introduction to this podcast. <laughs> but. What's so encouraging about our father, he's like, look, your flesh can be used for sin or your flesh can be used by means of fruit for righteousness. And that righteousness has eternal ramifications for those who are the benefactors of it. And that's what Next Week Podcast is about. Like, listen, we have an internal battle because we're a part of a greater war. And what is that war? It's like we're, we are advancing the light of the kingdom into the light of the darkness. And when you don't, fight your your flesh every day, then you're not going to be helping those who need to be helped. And so we have a greater perfect, we have a greater purpose than, I'm sorry. Yeah, we have a greater purpose than ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have a greater battle than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And this is what Paul literally, he literally says, look, I, I'm just saying what Paul says. Paul's like, look, I would rather go home and be with Jesus than to continue doing this thing I've got going on in my body. But, right. but for, for your, your benefit, sake, 
Yeah. I'm not. And right. that's what we're going to talk about next week. No, it's good. It's good. Those are conversations we've had in the past just about, I know we're going to talk about status forward stuff. We're going to talk about yep. the inherently like an outwardly oriented life toward God and neighbor and the fact that we're set free to love and serve. Yeah. I think um, we got some new fresh, good. fresh thoughts on it, which I'm excited yeah. about. Yeah. Be great. All right. We look forward to that conversation. Thank you to all of the SR members out there. We are appreciative of you and we are encouraged by you and the messages you send and, and all of that. You guys are very kind. And uh, John and I are simply broken vessels and sinners saved by grace, just like you. And um, we're thankful to the Lord that he's doing some good things in and through Theocast. So uh, we appreciate your ongoing partnership. We look forward to more and we look forward more than anything to the return of our Lord. May we all live in faith for that day. So until next time or until Christ returns, signing off. Peace.